Hello and welcome to the newest AVSJ podcast. I'm joined here with my buddy Aaron. Hello. Uh, this is another ep- episode in the lockdown. Um, still under quarantine. Still chilling. Yep. How are you doing, Aaron? Uh, yeah, not bad. You know, it's all going exactly pretty much as it was. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Since the previous episode, I've been furloughed and now unfurloughed. Um, Mm. That's all I can say on the matter. But I'm going back to work. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so there's that. Um, Thanks for all the feedback, by the way, the people. Mm. Yeah, we actually got lots and lots of really good feedback for the last episode. Um, it sounded like you all enjoyed us telling you about ourselves and mm-hmm. not arguing, which was, I mean, I guess we could do both. Yeah. But yeah. I guess. Thank you for all the feedback. Make sure you leave reviews. Um, so we know what you like, what you don't like, things like yeah. that. What are we talking about this week, Jules? Uh, this or today week, even. It's not weekly. Well, yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah, <laughs> it's really not weekly. We're not very nah. organised to do that, are we? Yeah, this week we are talking about uh separating art from the artist, or can it be separated, or should it be separated? Mm-hmm. All things that we may or may not clear up. Um, <laughs> what a teaser for the episode! <laughs> I know. We kind of decided on this because. This is predominantly a hip-hop blog and podcast, and hip-hop historically has kind of had a different standard of which to be judged by compared to other forms of music or just even media in general. For example, recently Billie Eilish came out and said, why are those rappers rapping about things that aren't even true? And she got a lot of stick for it Mm. because... A lot of people say it's storytelling. A lot of people say it's reflecting reality. A lot of people just say, like, it's the culture. Mm. Um, and we're kind of thinking, yeah, what, what's our opinion on it? Mm-hmm. Um, also, in the exact opposite of that, Drake said, I can't write songs about things I don't live or something like that. <laughs> so, so all of Drake's songs are real life. Just mm. if you, you know ever wonder. Drake lives that. That That's Drake's life. Drake. Yeah. <laughs> Just sitting there being Drake, doing Drake things. Maybe that's why he called it more life. Because he just thought, like, in the writing process, he was like, <laughs> what do I write about? It's more life. What's more happened life. since the last album? <laughs> <laughs> well, more life's happened. So. <laughs> um, yeah. But, I mean, hip-hop's a particularly interesting case because, I mean, when it first started, there were no rappers. It was just the DJs. It was more of a live performance thing and people would just kind of say words over mm-hmm. disco breaks. Well, the thing is, from that to now, mm. the change has been really significant in that the most prominent part of most hip-hop, of all hip-hop songs, is the rapper, the flow, what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And what they're saying seems to have the most importance in rap than it does compared to other genres in the sense that like pop songs they're all kind of saying the same sort of thing they're never really going to get called up on saying anything if they say it wrong whereas it Mm. always happens in rap 
Yeah, like um, what's his name? Lil Yachty saying he blows a cello or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting because when it was the 80s and like rappers really started coming to the forefront, it was a lot of like what they were talking about was a reflection of the reality they were living. Like they were living, a lot of it was in New York, mm-hmm. which was really badly affected by Reagan. Uh, led America mm-hmm. um, and songs like The Message by Grandmaster Flash were although they kind of took influence from other music sound if you know what I mean mm-hmm. it was like a new way of telling people what was going on in the world Broken glass everywhere people pissing on the stage you know they just don't care I can't take the smell can't take the noise got no money to move out I guess I got no choice rats in the front room roaches in the back junkies in the alley with the baseball bat I tried to get away but I couldn't get far cause a man with the touch of repossessed my car yeah I mean to go a bit deeper on that you've got like the whole of Reaganism is a sorry if this is boring it's a bit it's a bit of a history lesson i'm sure you'll enjoy hey man we're just here we're here for the people we're here to educate (laughs) um reaganism as an ideology was kind of built upon separation of class and a kind of racial othering um though not explicitly it was definitely an undercurrent throughout so you had lots of things like reducing black public spaces and the war on drugs to kind of cut down employment um put more black people in prison and cut down employment and all that kind of thing and it's creating um what they call othering of races so it's like okay a good example of this is like if you picture a rapper at the time a gangster rapper they're like oh they're getting involved in crime and drugs like they're all the things that the middle class parents don't want their kids to listen to and it's the idea that they're separating that figure the rapper as the exact opposition to the whiteness even and you can see that in the war of drugs where it's like crack needs to be cracked down on (laughs) but cocaine that's all over wall street is just kind of being ignored yeah 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 and then from there i mean like you it kind of grew and particularly in the early 90s when uh la became really prominent in rap Mm-hmm. Then um, gangster rap kind of went even more with NWA and people like Easy and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like you would argue that when they were making songs like "Fuck the Police," it was about um, police brutality and like mm-hmm. all those kind of things. Fuck the police coming straight from the underground. A young nigga got it bad because I'm brown and not the other color. So police think they have the authority to kill a minority. But then as the years go on, then Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg are making more and more money, just to put them as examples. They're making more and more money and there becomes a bit of a grey line over is this still a reflection of reality or is this exploiting a situation that exists for monetary gain? Exactly, because what you've got in the two very aptly chosen examples there, Jules. <laughs> um, you've got the message where it's like trying to raise awareness about their conditions and trying to say, this is a problem in society, we need to change. 
whereas you've and also you've kind of got that with fuck the police but it's a bit more aggressive and abrasive mm-hmm. um compared to things like murder was the case um by snoop dogg or something where it's leaning into these othered um characters that have been created um by mass media and trying to exploit the interest in this difference so just trying to make them seem more cartoonish and more outrageous they're killing people mm-hmm. every day they're doing everything that is actually building a bad reputation for them their characters but it's excelling them financially mm-hmm. but i mean let's let's be fair that like i mean snoop dogg was arrested for murder tupac did go to prison mm-hmm. uh they were rapping about uh these kind of it- things but it became a point where you needed some kind of street cred, as a lot of them yes. put it, where you have to kind of, not only do you have to rap about antisocial behaviour, you also have to prove that you do it. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't saying that in order to discredit Snoop Dogg. I'm not saying that he's... No, no. I'm not saying he's lived <laughs> the straight and narrow all his life and he's a liar. But, but at the time, it was... Um, to break the law was to kind of legitimise you as a rapper. Yeah. So Tupac coming out of prison grows in popularity about fivefold. His his comeback single is California Love, which is probably mm-hmm. his biggest song. And then you've got rappers like, well, Nate Dogg's a singer, but, mm-hmm. you know, same area. Not at all uh, impacted by their run-ins with the law. He like kidnapped his girlfriend and set fire to his mum's car or whatever. And if anything, he became more famous. At the time, <laughs> at the time, people weren't particularly fussed by them doing something wrong. And if anything, it helped them seem like these are real characters that we're looking mm. at. And if you were presenting this character and it wasn't real, then you were getting slandered by the rest mm-hmm. of the rap game. And I think it's also fair to say that it wasn't even just on the West Coast, right? Because you could argue that Biggie Smalls, although a lot of his raps are like very, um, like a lot of storytelling and like quite uh, clever, like and complex, they also a lot of it talks about uh, making money from selling crack, and that's how he like got the money. And also with Jay Z as well, that's how mm-hmm. they got the money to become the rappers. You could argue that their entire career is based off drug dealing, which probably... I mean- that's another that's thing with um, Reaganism as well is that the employment opportunities were so few and far between for African-American males that it was seen as like a legitimate option to sell drugs at the time. And I'm not just saying that with no knowledge. I have, I have read up on this kind of stuff. <laughs> um, like there were... In fact, it's even... If you listen to songs like... Is it called Reagan by Killer Mike? Or like Mathematics by Mostef? they kind of detail this time. Yeah, yeah. Mathematics is a really good example. Mm. Um, 
and it's like the opportunities were so limited. Um, I read a journal where it's like the only opportunities for African-American males was to cash in on their body. So whether that be through their ability to make music, whether that be through becoming an athlete or like becoming an artist, Mm. it was only things that they could produce as like creative arts or physical activity that was seen Mm -hmm. as a legitimate opportunity to leave the hood. And now I think it's fair to say that like the appeal used to be that if you were listening to a rapper they had to be a bad boy and they had to like flaunt their wealth and be bad boy records and (laughs) exactly and even like things like they had to treat women like shit and Mm. all this kind of thing and now the reflection on it in the present day is that of course like this music is very good but at the same time uh, there are so many parts of it which are very dated. Yeah, and we kind of touched on this in the last episode, and that's kind of why we wanted to bring it up. Again. Yeah, because we didn't really go into it a, a lot because that's not really what the theme of the episode was. But to be fair, it's a very interesting subject that I think we mm-hmm. have a fair amount to say about. But I think we don't really want to get bogged down in like the concepts and the examples. I think mm-hmm. we're just going to more talk about our own relationships with music yeah. and musicians. And there are lots of good examples to go into. And it's also a very, very broad topic. I mean, this leads into stuff like um, use of lyrics in trials, misogyny in rap. Like, it go, it leads into a lot of different directions. Mm-hmm. Don't be mad at us if we don't hit them all, all right? <laughs> we only got so long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's one particular artist that, like, definitely um, I think about when I think about separating the art from the art. But I think a good example to start with is recently uh, Gold Link, if you know him. He's, like, Mm -hmm. a rapper from uh, Washington, I think. Yeah, DC. He's he's pretty famous. Um, (laughs) He's pretty big. He's pretty big. He's pretty big. Anyway, recently he posted on Instagram... With a picture of Matt Miller, who, if you're not familiar, uh, died last year, but you probably are familiar if you listen to these podcasts. Basically saying, like, we didn't get on that well, but you were also my brother, but you stole all my music. It was a very cryptic message. It was very multi-layered, but the prime emotion was anger, I think. (laughs) Well, it was really weird because, like, there was obviously a lot of respect in it, but also kind of, like... Come on, admit what you did. Yeah. But he's so- asking someone who's dead to admit so- to something. Like, yeah. I don't really know what he thought he was going to get from it. And his argument for him stealing his music is that Mac Miller made a love album and Golden Link, of course, was the first person to ever do that. <laughs> and and Mac Miller used uh, Anderson Pack feature. And of course, Golden Link is Anderson Pack, yeah. so it's not fair. Too cold. You know, Anderson Pack is really lacking in features. <laughs> so, and you know what? Know. He had no talent until Goldman came along. So, 
um, but I mean, to be fair, like there are definitely some similarities. Like they do kind of have a similar sound for some of the songs, mm. but it's not to say that the entire album was based off Goldings. Also, Matt Miller's album's a lot better. Let's be honest. Well, Jules, you can take inspiration and you can run with it, but it doesn't mean you haven't stolen. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I really like Goldlink. I really like his music. Yeah, so this is this is the main point, yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought I really liked him as well, but this changed my opinion of him. It just kind of made him come across as like a little salty guy in yeah. his room, pestering himself, kept up late with the thoughts that people don't know that he's better than Mac Miller. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I think on the next post that he put up, it was like a pic. It was a video of him. I want to say in South Africa, but I can't remember. It was a bit of a while ago, and it's like a massive crowd all waiting to come out for him. And he mm-hmm. posted a caption like, "I thought I was cancelled." Yeah. Was something like this. Like I can't exactly remember the details. It was a while ago. It was something like that. And I remember just thinking like, I thought you made that original post to kind of set the record straight in your mind but mm-hmm. are you actually just doing it just so people pay attention to you yeah and the thing is the response from the hip-hop community was not very positive yeah like anderson pack's response was like you didn't invent me you you have no you have no ability to talk about my friend please leave me alone <laughs> like but i don't really know what he expected going after someone that a lot of people clearly liked when he died, there was no negative thing said about it. Like, honestly, more positive tributes than to anyone I've ever seen. Well, that's not true. But, like, more <laughs> positive tributes than most uh, people I see. Especially for a, for a rapper who, like we said before, are typically quite controversial figures. Yeah. They mess around sometimes. Yeah, I don't really know how we thought going after Mac Miller would make him friends, but... I think that was one of the times where I really thought, like, what you have said has really put me off listening to your music. Did it stop you from listening to his music? Uh, no, and I actually think that I like Diaspora more, which is Gold Link's <laughs> last album. I think I actually like it more than I did then. Um, I like it more I first... now I know he hates him. <laughs> <laughs> so when I first heard Diaspora, I really didn't like it. I thought, like, oh, this album is just so average. And then, like, I think I'd, like, listen to a couple songs individually. Oh, I kind of like that song, actually. Oh, actually, that song kind of grew on me. I think I said in our first podcast, I think I said, well, it's a grower. (laughs) 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 I think I've been proven right. (laughs) Yeah. But But I still feel like I listen to him less than I used to. I used to listen to him quite a lot. Yes. And now I definitely listen to him less. Well, I think I'm I'm not consciously listening to him as much as I would have before. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I previously would have banged on one of his albums, like, fairly regularly. Mm-hmm. And then he was actually in my spot... What's it called? Spotify Rewind or whatever it is? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was, like, my number two artist. And also, by the way, Spotify Rewind is just a lie. Because <laughs> <laughs> I believe he was top five, but he's definitely not number two. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, but, and I, I was kind of... I remember looking at it and being a bit annoyed at myself. <laughs> um, because he'd he'd annoyed me and I thought that in that moment I'd been like, oh, fuck Goldlink, I'm not going to listen yeah. to Yeah. But then him also as an artist, he 
has some lyrics that make me want to not talk, uh, listen to him anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing where it's like, why are you actually listening to the music? Yeah, well, I think this is something that I might be a little bit guilty of, which is that he, for example, in his song Sober Thoughts, he talk like he that's raps exactly what I was thinking of. kind of like positively about hitting his girlfriend. Yeah, we fuck today, we fight tomorrow, then we fuck again. I fuck a homie, she find out, and then she fuck my man. Then I hit her and I tell her she a piece of shit. Then she called the cops and say you always make me sick. Then we fuck again, we making up, and then we back to where we used to be. And usually it's eight, like two or three, sometimes it lasts a week. Then it's fight again, then I fuck a friend, the cycle never end. And when I listened to it, I think it came out when I must have been about 17, and I was like, oh, that was a weird lyric. So I kind of just <laughs> brushed over it. Because I like the rest of the song. Yeah. Mm. And then now, like, obviously we're saying fuck Gold Link. But why did it take us until him slandering someone we liked before we yeah. thought that opinion? Well, it's also the thought of uh, when we listen to music, are we viewing it in the lens of this is Drake, everything he's saying is true? Mm-hmm. Or are we viewing it in the sense that, oh, he's just talking as if he was a rapper and he's living that kind of lifestyle. And so when he mm-hmm. says that, he probably doesn't mean that. He probably doesn't do it. And now I'm not saying that he does do it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying he doesn't like Mac Miller. He must hit women. But <laughs> <laughs> but why was it that before, even though so- I'm, I would say that I'm someone that cares quite a bit about lyrics, why was I yeah. not fussed by that? Yeah. But then I guess this is the thing that we come back to quite a lot is that in most other just general art forms then you don't necessarily take what's said at autobiographical evidential level whereas for hip-hop it does seem to have that yeah and it's also not to say that hip-hop is the only misogynist the only genre including misogynist themes Mm -hmm. because it's really not it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. But for example, like if a stand up comedian, I don't know, made a joke that just obviously wasn't true, like that obviously never happened to them, you wouldn't be like, mm. well, never listening to him again because he <laughs> said something that wasn't true. It's yeah. like ridiculous. Yeah. Or like in a film, like if you saw, if it was meant to be based on true story, but like it was slightly like dramatized. You wouldn't be like, oh, yeah. never watching anything with Leonardo DiCaprio in it ever again. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's slightly different with films because that is their job. <laughs> you know, like, Leonardo DiCaprio didn't get lost in the woods and fight a bear. <laughs> but you could argue that, like, um, there is a different it's, the rapper's, it's the rapper's job to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And does it have to be autobiographical? Well, there's lots of rappers where it's purposefully not. So think about um, MF Doom has like a whole character arc and various characters and you're looking at him and you're obviously not thinking this is his real story. Similar kind of thing with Kendrick as much as he talks about his own stories and a lot of his albums are very personal. He has like characters and different personas that he puts on. And he is kind of trying to display a wider picture. Mm -hmm. So it's not that they're all held to a certain standard, but whenever somebody needs to... Okay. When a (laughs) rapper (laughs) 
is not presenting a true to life story they're generally presenting it in a clear mode of character rather than this is in line with myself and yeah. my, the character that I present. That yeah, I feel sense. like when Eminem says, I wear a hockey mask and chainsaw my wife's head off, mm-hmm. I don't actually believe that he has done that. Like, no. it's quite <laughs> clearly a character. But when, I don't know, other rappers say, just talk generally like as if a woman is an object, then it's mm. like, you say it's so... Uh, brazenly is that the right word sure that like it might be true because it just didn't seem to affect you in any way whatsoever mm-hmm. it, you mean it's true of their opinion not it's true that they're objects <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> yeah um, and it see there's also the the argument of desensitization over the over time in that because these themes were so prevalent in gangster era, uh, gangster rap and 90s era hip hop, that though we're still aware of them, the like l- smaller presence of them in songs just kind of completely passes by. Mm-hmm. So I saw a video saying like the two, if you look at rap stats for songs put out in the past 10 years, the most used words in rap songs are the N word and bitch. And maybe because we've grown up on listening to so much um, gangster rap where it was outrageous misogyny, like mm-hmm. talking about how women can't be trusted and they should be killed and they're trying to steal from you and all sorts, that just the slightly lesser layer that is now being presented completely passes us by and we're just uh, unaware of it. And when I say we, I mean me and you as avid listeners rather than other people on the outside looking in who then look at it and say, why are you continuing to listen to something that does this? Yeah. Um, I think as well, like I mentioned it in the last podcast, but I feel like probably should mention it again. When I recently listened to 2001 by Dr. Dre, then I was thinking like there is... I mean, I knew there was obviously misogyny in here, but like, it's a lot more prevalent than I thought. And Ain't No Fun as well on the Doggy Style album by Snoop Dogg. Mm -hmm. That song in particular, like, the beat is so dancey and funky and like, you probably expect it to hear in a club. But then all the lyrics are just the most like, disgusting thing you've ever heard. And I wonder if you play that song in a club now, what kind of reception it would get. I mean, even uh, Jay Z, Big Pimpin. Big Pimpin. Yeah. Big Pimpin. You know why? Thug 'em, fuck 'em, love 'em, leave 'em, 'cause I don't fucking need 'em. Take 'em out the hood, keep 'em looking good, but I don't fucking feed 'em. First time they fuss, I'm breathing. Talk about what's the reasons? I'm a pimpin' every sense of the word, bitch. Better trust and believe 'em. You said his best song ever. Well, my favorite of his songs, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I get your point. He said himself, I regret writing that song <laughs> because yeah. of the levels of misogyny presented in every single word, pretty much. Yeah. But the beat is so fun. <laughs> the flows. <laughs> it's got a like, catchy chorus. It is. And you just kind of forget what's happening. You'll probably play it and then people will be like, what? Jay-Z. 
Yeah. And then when we saw him, he still played it. So even though yeah. he apparently regrets writing the song, he hasn't removed it from his discography. It's not like No Name with the original telephone like we were talking about before, where yeah. she's just discredited it all. It's still clearly part of his history as an artist. Can you think of an artist that, like, you really dislike them as a person, but you really like their music? I mean, what you've asked sounds like a hard question, but it's because of the existence of one person, it is not. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, the obvious answer is Kanye. Yeah. I mean, we can both speak for hours about the importance of Kanye's early music. Um, and it's weird because early years Kanye, first generation, <laughs> um, is <laughs> was quite a, poli- a political figure um, on the political left. So his George Bush doesn't care about black people comment. Um, he actually was also pretty pro talking about the existence of um, rappers that are gay but they're and one asking why people need to hide it in hip hop and like he was a bit of a spokesperson for, for mm. political rap at the time my aunt pam can put them cigarettes down so now my little cousin smoking them cigarettes now his job try to claim that he too niggerish now it's a cuz of skin blacker than licorice now i can't figure it out sticking in now uh. seemed like a great guy he loved his mum <laughs> what more can i say <laughs> Kanye today. <laughs> yeah, Kanye today is a very different person. He has said in interviews before that he lives his life as if it is uh, an art installation. <laughs> Which really, that makes you think. Because <laughs> you think, is his entire public image, he's always talking about how he's really pro-Trump and how he wears the... MAGA hat because black people aren't allowed to be Republican and though he doesn't agree with Republican views he's gonna do it because he's not allowed to do it and he's breaking Mm. the rules and he's Kanye and he says some bad things sometimes (laughs) so basically whenever I listen to Kanye and he puts out a new project and he seems to change drastically from album to album in the things that he says, in the ideologies that he holds to be important. Well, each time he drops a new album, I think, is this the one where I'm going to stop listening to Kanye? Mm-hmm. Like, has he gone too far yet? And most of the time, the answer is no for me. And I do still enjoy the music. I didn't, I didn't like Jesus is King. I didn't think that was good. Mm-hmm. But I, I enjoyed uh, Yay. And that was probably, he was probably being much more outrageous in the run up to mm-hmm. yay than he was to Jesus King he was just being all spiritual so how in my head do I negotiate the line of is it, of it being important what he says or how he presents himself against the quality of music mm-hmm. like would I st- if Kanye was saying all this stuff and then he put out a shit album would I just be like ah forget about him Am I am I only forgiving him because I care about the music? And am I forgiving him? I don't know. Yeah. I know you've got a lot of opinions on Kanye. I mean, yeah, this is the thing, like, say Kanye said all these things, but then he made music 
that had nothing to do with the things he was saying about in real life and like mm-hmm. they were completely mutually exclusive i feel like maybe i'd give him a bit more leeway but mm-hmm. because when like he first started off and he was saying these things about like yeah george bush hates black people but that was so reflected in his music mm-hmm. that you thought like okay this is who you are as a person this way like you believe in and now it seems like his views are just i don't even know if they're real views like i think i mean maybe it's just all up <laughs> i think it might just be a, a complete i mean they could possibly be his real views i wouldn't doubt it but it could mm-hmm. also be that he has an album to sell and he needs something to say and the problem with this is that he's not the same up-and-coming rapper who was trying to make a name for himself when he would dress up as jesus on the front cover of magazines he is mm-hmm. probably well as of today he's the second hip-hop billionaire behind jay-z oh, um yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Uh, which means that what he says does not kind of intake like it doesn't get brushed off I'm not saying because he's a billionaire people have to listen to him now but mm-hmm. he is definitely in a position of power now that he was not in before and saying things like slavery was a choice it's kind of like Donald Trump saying why don't you just disinfect uh, why don't you just inject disinfectant it's like mm. you have to think about the things you say before you just say them to the public without kind of any disregard to how people might interpret it well, the caveat with Kanye is that he does have very public struggles with mental health. Not that that means it's an excuse to say whatever you want, but it does mean that because there's such a constant focus on everything he says, he doesn't have the ability to say anything wrong. And yet he says everything so wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so because he has this condition which impacts how he lives each day people don't think oh we should put less pressure on Kanye we shouldn't ask him for a comment on all these things they still continue to do it and everything he says will get criticised everything he says someone will have an opinion on it Mm -hmm. does that at all change your interpretation of how he said he acts Mm no (laughs) a lot of kind of the uh problems that i think he's faced is dealing with fame Mm -hmm. and of course it affects different people in different ways but i think it like the comparison of him and jay-z is just such a good example of like how you should in like quotation marks how you should portray yourself and not kind of be so detrimental to people and Kanye's version of it, which is, mm-hmm. in my opinion, probably not the best way to go about things. Yeah. I mean, he has shown the biggest shift in personality that I think it's possible to present. Do you have an artist in the same kind of vein? I Well, Kanye, I when I was a kid, when I was like eight to 10 years old, I was mm-hmm. obsessed with Kanye West. Like literally obsessed with him to the point where I remember he was like the only thing I would ever listen to on my iPod and I knew like I didn't obviously know it off by heart but I knew the order of his songs and one time I accidentally put my iPod on shuffle 
Mm-hmm. And it went from one to seven. And I was like, why does it skip six songs without even looking like that <laughs> thing? That's how, like, that's the level of obsession I had with Kanye West music. And then um, now, like, I listen. I think the last album of his that I listened to was Life of Pablo. And after mm-hmm. that, I just thought, like, fuck this guy. Like, I have no time for him. I don't like his music. I don't like him as a person. I think everything he does is for attention now. Mm-hmm. And if it's not for attention, that's probably arguably worse. Um, so basically, fuck him. Does him now change how you think about his early albums? Uh, no, I actually kind of see them as two different people. Fair. I see it. I see like post graduation Kanye and pre graduation Kanye or pre 808s Kanye as two different mm-hmm. people. There. So that's where you draw the line. Kanye, I think he's the only person, well, he was definitely the first person where him, the person who he was outside of music affected how my like relationship with his music. Okay. That's and then now, like, Gold Link, I kind of feel, obviously he's not on the same level as Kanye, but I definitely listen to him less and care about him less because of the person he is. I feel like, obviously, what he says as a huge importance but i always used to feel like kanye this was before this was like maybe four years ago before Mm -hmm. he went like full crossing lines Mm -hmm. he always got a lot of um negative like people always hated him just because he had a big ego yeah i do remember when i was like when i was in the height of my kanye obsession there was a thing of like the 100 most annoying people that was on TV and he was Mm -hmm. like number 60 or something. And I was like, how could they do that? How could they say that about Kanye West? I was personally offended. Yeah, and I always used to think like, how is it that he would get such bad reputation against what we were talking about earlier? I mean, like there's Michael Jackson, even now, people don't believe what's being said about him and i'm not going to state my opinion um and people like he'll still get radio play every now and then he'll still get played in in dj sets um and obviously kanye does as well but people hate kanye more than they hate michael jackson i would say and he hasn't done anything illegal he's just been a bit of a dick yeah i mean it's difficult to compare because like I mean, it's difficult to compare Kanye saying some outlandish things with the alleged illegal things that Michael Jackson did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a good example, which we spoke about before, would be Michael Jackson R. Kelly, mm-hmm. which was... I mean, I have a personal anecdote of this, which is when we're at Glastonbury in 2018, we're at some, like little bar i think it was on the wednesday night so like it was quite busy in there because nothing was open 2019 2019 yeah you're right yeah and the dj played man in the mirror by michael jackson everyone was loving it singing along a great time and i was a bit like hmm. i mean <laughs> interesting mm-hmm. and then ignition came on by r kelly and more than half the crowd would boo in the the DJ. Wow. To the point where, like, he cut it pretty quickly, I think, after that. I've got a similar story. 
in that literally the week after the Michael Jackson documentaries came out, I went to see uh, Marabou State mm-hmm. with Ruby. They were doing a DJ set. And um, they started playing... I can't remember what it was. It was a Michael Jackson song. It wasn't PYT because that would have been mm-hmm. outrageous. <laughs> but they started playing a, a, a Michael Jackson song. And there was like clearly a bit of a mixed reaction from the crowd. Yeah. And then they went on the mic and said, I'm going to play Michael Jackson every set until I die. I don't care what they say. I don't believe Damn. them. And then there was like Damn. a cheer from the crowd. Then he like had won them over. <laughs> yeah, Drake fucking had that Michael Jackson song where like he got the sample from ages ago. Like, sorry, enough of this. It's the weekend. <laughs> There's no way <laughs> that's Michael Jackson on that song. <laughs> well, it's definitely the weekend. Well, okay, I'm certain. I mean, I wasn't in the studio, but I might. Have <laughs> that's how sure I am. <laughs> Anyway, so he got this supposed Michael Jackson, but pro- probably The Weeknd, according to Aaron, sample. Um, and it's the inside scoop. <laughs> and when when the documentaries came out, then he, uh, Drake said, I'm not playing this song in my sets anymore. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I mean, it's not that good of a song. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, maybe that was the reason why. Maybe it was just a really dead song, but he needed just didn't quite to... pop how he wanted it to. Yeah, <laughs> since it came out, he had more life than he realized. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, this is another case of like separating the art from the artist because Michael Jackson's music is from a completely different era, where when it came out, you didn't know these supposed things about him. Mm-hmm. And the music is still good. Like, Billie Jean, Don't Stop Till I Get Enough. They're both songs that, like, I love quite a lot. But should you play Michael Jackson on the radio? PYT is the prime example. Put it this way. Would you watch a film now that had Kevin Spacey in it? Probably not. Mm. Like, if it was on and people wanted to watch it, I wouldn't be like, no, guys, I refuse. But I wouldn't. I don't, but I don't mean like an old film. Like I mean, if a new film came out with Kevin Spacey. In oh, it, one did, didn't it? Uh, I'm not sure actually. I feel like Baby Driver came out like it was no, already was about before. to come out, and then maybe, maybe it was before. Yeah, I don't know. But why does it change? If he was already doing it, why does mm. it change if you suddenly knew that it happened? Yeah. I think uh, each person has their own moral justification that actually is not very consistent. And I would argue mine isn't either. And I'm, yeah, I'm not saying, oh, look at these people who like, they're so hypocritical, because I think I'm also hypocritical. It's and... a very strange position to be in, isn't it? Mm. Like, for example, world. you know what I wanted to say before, when you were saying um, people that like you listen to gold link now than you used to i feel like mm-hmm. i listen to no name now less than i used to when really? she said she doesn't want uh, white people listen to her music and she hates white people and all this that and the other that's interesting and kind of started shitting on her fans as well saying like uh even though you come to my concerts and you pay me all this money and blah 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 i i don't care about you and after yeah. she said that i was like I mean, if that's how you feel about me, then I don't know how I feel about you. 
Did you think you were friends? But I met, uh, no, you know what, actually, I've met her twice. One time, like, I got a picture of her, it was nice. I kind of mean, me and Joe went to see her. We stayed around yeah. after, got around, got a picture. And in the picture, she's honestly looking at me as if, like, I am future Bay. And then <laughs> the next time I saw her was, um, I went to go see Monty Booker. And Smino and No Name were just in the crowd. And I didn't actually mm-hmm. really listen to Smino at the time, so I wasn't that interested. But I saw No Name outside. And I was like, oh, like, just went out to her. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've met you before, like, big fan of your work, um, what you do in London. And I've never, ever spoken to someone who is so not interested in the conversation we were having. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, all right, I see how it is then. Um, I mean... I wouldn't take it personally. <laughs> I don't think you can expect people to constantly be ready to meet fans. No, yeah. No, I Especially only really when said, she's there watching her friend. I only really said that because you were like, what, you thought you were friends? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I know we're not friends. <laughs> it's official. <laughs> I think before, I think if I thought the music was good, I was just straight up like connecting. That was the connection point. But now I feel like I do have a bit more of a conscience about the kind of person that makes it as well. Like for example, Stormzy, I'm not that big a fan of his music, but I really like him as a person. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. But then is there anything, to, how would you feel, for example, if you did like a blind listening and you were presented with an album that you loved and then you found out about the artist later and found out about the things they mm. did. Would that then mean you're not allowed to like that album? Or would it mean that you are allowed to separate the two? Yeah, but also I don't even think you should really say aloud. I think it's just like... No, I mean like allowing yourself. I know, but saying aloud means like uh, you have particular rules and then you have to stick by these rules no matter what happens in life. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, actually, a lot of the time I am quite hypocritical and I don't stick by one principle. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very difficult to live by a set of rules. Yeah, so exactly. You can't really have a blanket answer for everything. So, thinking about the exact kind of... It wasn't a thought experiment. It was just an example of listening to things blind. Mm-hmm. That kind of len- leans in quite nicely to thinking about artists that kind of keep their private lives very private. Um, things People like Frank Ocean, Kendrick, mm. Childish Gambino, just to think of a few, um, mm-hmm. J Electronica. There's loads do you think that we're in a society now where we'd benefit from these people just kind of sticking away from social media, letting their music do the talking so that you don't have a... You could go in without a judgment of them already and you mm. can interpret the music however you choose to? Yeah, I think it's really interesting because now if you are trying to get into music you really need to use social media and you really need to have a presence on social media. Like if you were to just act like Childish Gambino on social media, but you mm-hmm. had no fans, 
you're not going to get very far. Yeah. Um, so you definitely need to use social media and a lot of using social media is like uh, connecting with your fans and being this kind of person. Like For example, Jay Gray does quite a good job of it, of being like mm-hmm. all these things about like talking about herself and like connecting with her fans and like all this kind of things. But then if you were to like do that and then do what Childish Gambino and Frank Ocean or whatever do, you're suddenly then just disconnecting yourself from all these people you had mm. a connection with. So I think it's difficult to just become big and then say, right, that's it. Especially if you're someone who got big from being in the public eye, like Killer Mike, for example, yeah. um, is big from being an activist or someone like a Carla. So say you got mm. so big that you now wanted to become a bit more private, I think it would be undoing a lot of good work. Yeah. I mean... Does that mean that it's impossible now to blow up and remain private? Or, I mean, be consistently private? And I'm not saying I'd rather people did these things and I didn't know about them. I'd rather people just stop doing these things. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but it changes how you interact with the art, knowing more yeah. about the artist. I think it's difficult, though, because I think like people do like knowing about the artists and also people like Vince Staples for example like they're quite funny people like yeah Danny Brown they're quite funny people just to watch I'd say they're both people that have definitely got more fans just from like interviews stuff yeah, like that yeah yeah in fact Zach Where... Fox is probably the prime example of that like, yeah he basically had a Twitter page that was for memes and he did music on the side you know what's funny about Zach Fox he's a pretty good example that I didn't even think of because he, in that um, Kenny Beats thing that he did, mm-hmm. um, you know the one, on the cave, cave. he says free take And then <laughs> in the <laughs> in the genius breakdown that they did, he's like, yeah, free take Like, was a couple dead bodies over some good beats or like <laughs> something like that. Um, very briefly, if you don't know who he is is a 17-year-old rapper who was rapping about all the people he killed and he was killing quite a few. And then he went on the run and (laughs) he was rapping about how he was on the run. Uh, And then he got caught and (laughs) got put in prison for 56 years. But (laughs) importantly, they used his lyrics as evidence. Yes, yes. Which is a very contentious issue. Less so in this case, I would say, if you're actually talking about what you've done. I feel like if they had the evidence of it, then probably less contentious. But if you mm-hmm. were to... Like, surely Pusha T would be in prison if he did all yeah. those things. It, it's a difference of using it to support your argument and uh, this is the evidence. They said they did this and now they should yeah. be arrested for saying that they're doing this. Or yeah. even like Tyler the Creator being banned from the UK for ages, being arrested for inciting hate mm-hmm. just from his lyrics. Yeah. And that's, mm. I think, yeah, maybe the point is that lyrics, most of the time, 99% of the time, the 1% of the time, maybe being take Eve or take A even, is um, mm-hmm. 
is that it should maybe not be taken at face value. That said, oh, yeah. should you endorse things that aren't even true that have a negative impact? And also, with Take Care as the example, that song, The Race, has got like over 50 million views. Mm-hmm. Is that then, for if you are him, do you take that as a sign to say, oh, I should keep doing these things because it's making me more popular? Mm. Or is like a is the music influencing his lifestyle, or is his lifestyle influencing the music that causes the popularity rise? Mm. Not something I can answer. Again, probably not the guy to ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's you know what? Throughout all of this, like it's questions we asked, and honestly, I have no idea what the answers are. Mm. I have my own almost immediate opinion. And that's kind of the opinion. My opinion, I would say 100% of the time, is don't kill people. And <laughs> it's what he's doing. So <laughs> can't think of an example where that sways for me. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Right, I feel like we've covered everything we wanted to cover. Yeah, and things we didn't want to cover. So there's that as well. Anything else? Maybe some recommendations that we want to shout yeah, out? Why not end with some recommendations? That'd be yeah. nice. Let's see what we got. Uh, so today I listened to the new Tom Mish and Yusuf Days album, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty good. It's quite like uh, cinematic mm-hmm. in the way it's done. I feel like, in fact, Aaron, I think you'd quite like it because although there aren't a lot of lyrics a lot of the time, instrumentally it definitely goes on an emotional journey and i know you're big into your emotions. you know journeys. me <laughs> yeah um i haven't listened to it but all the tracks in the build-up i've heard and i enjoyed them so i'm sure that's a good yeah. sign um i should have mentioned it last time the new cleo soul album came out like probably about a month ago now that's really good mm. um also of course she's a huge fan of ours because she Because <laughs> she likes so. one tweet. <laughs> <laughs> no, she actually replied. That's, oh, really? Yeah, we've got oh, friends yeah, in the yeah, industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually. Um, also, that Jasmine Lacey album that Joe was talking about, that's really good. He wasn't yeah. talking about it on here. That's another insight <laughs> into our lives. <laughs> yeah. Did you uh, listen to I it? I don't remember. No, I haven't listened to it. Oh, I recommend. Hmm. Jasmine Lacey, uh, Tom Mish, Cleo Soul. You want anything uh, else? Mm, I don't think so. Oh, also, the AVSJ podcast is pretty good. Maybe that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I've been enjoying listening to that of late. <laughs> um, yeah, if, if, if you really want us to know how you really feel, then tell us on the reviews. <laughs> <laughs> if you really want us to know how you really feel. <laughs> no, but we do appreciate all the feedback. Send more. Tell tell your friends, yeah. why not? Please, please. Tell your friends, tell them to tell your friends. Not the, your their own friends. friends as well. Yeah, tell their friends. <laughs> Don't tell them to tell your friends because you've already told your friends. Alright. Um well lovely speaking to you, Jules. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's it for this episode. Um I hope you're st- I hope you're staying safe in the lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, 
not going too crazy and we'll try and get some more of these episodes done yeah bye ya peace out Is hoping that all went whale, wait, whale, whale. <laughs>